Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Call our attention one more time to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Once again, we'll read verse number 1 down through verse number 5. And what we're going to be considering today is verse number 2 and 3. Verse number 1 of John chapter number 17. These words spake Jesus and lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is the life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity you've given us to be able to have the privilege to come before you, to come into your throne room. Lord, we thank you that as we do, we can come there boldly, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask you, Lord, as we do come before you this morning, that in this time today, that you would help me, the speaker, and help those that will be hearing Lord, that your word may march forth to do what you've sent it forth to do. Lord, we ask you this morning that as we look into your word, may we see you greater than we've ever seen you. May we recognize you from scripture as who you are. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate your scripture I pray that you would magnify, edify, glorify yourself through this passage today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been considering together that the only purpose of our salvation is that we might have the gift of eternal life. That, that's what we've been looking at the last couple weeks is that gift of eternal life that has been given to us. We've seen that it is the great object and the final explanation of everything that is, is and was planned by the blessed Trinity in eons past. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit brought counsel together, and made a plan 
The thing that I guess amazes me when I consider that is God made a plan before there was a need for a plan. But He did that because He knew all things. And He knew there would be a need for that plan. What a God that would make a plan before man ever fell to redeem fallen man. God did that. God purposed that. God made that happen. And we thank God for that. And for that reason, what we're going to look at this morning is probably one of the most important things that we'll ever consider. And that is that matter of eternal life. That matter of how that life came about and what, what brought that life into existence. But understand this morning, our, our subject, if you wanted to put a topic on the subject, it would be the only true God. That's what we're going to be considering today. The only true God. We began with the consideration of, of it by realizing the very necessity of it. We've considered in, uh, in the past few weeks, we've considered the very need for that eternal life. What was the need for that eternal life? The need for that eternal life is the result of sin. You and I are sinners because of sin. Sin was passed down upon us and we were born sinners and for that reason, we need that eternal life that's spoken of in this passage of Scripture. We all lack, every one of us lack, we're all dead in our trespasses and sins before regeneration. Before we're born again, you and I are dead in our trespasses and sins. And I don't need to remind you this morning because you already know this and I know that you know this because you've sat here long enough that you've heard it enough. A dead man can't do anything for himself. I couldn't lift myself up. I couldn't be good enough. I could not even in the best that I could be. I could not raise myself to the point of fellowship and acceptance before God. I couldn't do it. There was no way that I could do it because I could not complete what Christ completed. I could not do what Christ did. Furthermore, we are told that it is something which we have received as a gift. That eternal life was a gift given to us. I, I like the way it's worded in verse number 1 down through verse number 5. I, as we read through that each and every Sunday that we're going through this series of messages, as we read those five verses, I'm continually astounded at the gift that has been given to you and I and how wonderful it is. It does not matter how moral you and I may be. 
Therefore, it does not matter that we have a moral majority. It does not matter how moral we are. We still yet cannot attain to that acceptance before God without Jesus Christ. Without that eternal life that Jesus Christ is speaking of here. The difference between being a Christian and not being a Christian is not a matter of degree. It's a matter of essence and quality. Both of which you and I do not possess, nor could we possess without Christ. We did not have that and would not have that. The most unworthy Christian, the most unworthy Christian is in a better position than the best man outside of Christianity. Doesn't matter who they are. The lowest, if there is a low and not low, but the, 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 the one that is the most unworthy Christian is in a better position than he that is outside of Christianity. Let me give you an example. If we were to consider the royal family in England, if we were con- to consider them, a man outside of the royal family may be much more cultured than the royal family. He may be a finer specimen of humanity than those of the royal family in every respect. Yet on all state occasions, he must follow the most humblest and lowest of the royal family because he's not part of that family. What are you saying? I'm saying that without Christ, we are nothing. Without Christ, we're nothing. But in Christ, we're everything. We've also found that our Lord alone is He who can give this eternal life. That eternal life cannot come by any other avenue but by Christ. It it is amazing. and, And even Wednesday night when we were dealing with what we were dealing with on Wednesday night as Christ being our sacrifice, it was probably... Wednesday night was probably one of the most difficult times, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, was probably one of the most difficult times that I had teaching that lesson and not pulling John chapter 17 into it. Well, I'm having the same difficulty preaching John chapter 17 and not pulling that into what it was about. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that that eternal life is through Jesus Christ and He is our sacrifice and He is the one that had to be our sacrifice. There there wasn't. There couldn't have been. If you look back at all you know from Scripture, there is no one else that could have been our sacrifice outside of Christ. Why? Because Christ was God incarnate in the flesh. He took on that robe of flesh and it was God incarnate in the flesh that satisfied the righteous demands of God. No one else could have done that. No other person could have done that. 
Understand, Christ asked God, in this passage of Scripture, Christ asked God to glorify Him. And He makes this statement. He said, these words spake Jesus and lifted His eyes up into heaven and said, The hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may also glorify Thee. What's What's He asking Him to do? He's asking Him, He's imploring God and urging God to glorify Him that He might finish that work that is set before Him. There, He's come to the point now that He said the hour is come. The hour's come. He's done the work that He needed to do to get to this point. But there's one last thing that must happen. He must die. And He must die. And this is important that we understand. He must die under the wrath of God in order that we might be redeemed from our sin. He must die under the wrath of God. And He is employing God, if you will, to glorify Him and to enable Him to do the last bit of work that had to be done. He was praying, if you do not enable me to be the sin bearer for the whole guilt of the whole world, then the whole of mankind will still remain in their sin. Christ could have come, and you and I know this, Christ could have come, He could have lived on this earth, He could have done everything to this point, And God would have been satisfied with his completion of the law, completion of all those things that were set before him that he had to complete and not died and we would still be in our sin. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So we know that Christ had to go to the cross and he's imploring the Father Enable me that I might go be the sin bearer of the whole sin of the whole world so that the whole of humanity would not have to die under their sin. There are those that are going to die in their trespasses and sins. You and I know that. We, we even see examples of that in Scripture. But there are those who God has chosen to save that will not die in their sin. And it is because of what Jesus Christ did yes. on the cross of Calvary. He pleads and He urges with the Father to glorify Him that He might glorify Him. And how is He glorifying Him? He's glorifying Him by giving this eternal life that He mentions. He says here, He said, glorify me, glorify Thy Son, uh, that He might glorify Thee, as Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He might give eternal life. He's given Him power over all flesh for what reason? that he might give eternal life. And he goes on, he doesn't leave that vague to our understanding. He said, they might give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And he goes on to explain what this eternal life is. He said, and this 
is life eternal. That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sinned. That is the eternal life that he's talking about. That we may know God, the only true God. So any attempt, as we have seen, to arrive at God and to have communion and fellowship with Him outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is futile. Any attempt that we have, any attempt that anybody puts forth to have communion with God and have fellowship with God outside of Christ is futile. And therefore he says that he wants us to know the only true God. He wants us to understand these things in order that we have eternal life. I know that we have heard that all a person's got to do is pray. But that's not all. It's not the prayer that saves. It's not the action of bowing that saves. It is that acknowledgement of the grace of God that hath appeared to you. It is when you understand that God's grace has been, been, been set forth to you that you might be pardoned from your sin. Understanding that God is who God is. There are two primary questions to consider. What is this life and how can one obtain this life? What I want us to consider this morning is I want us to look at the mechanism by which eternal life comes to you and I. God grant that we all may realize that it that this is not only our greatest need, but it is also our most precious privilege that we can ever have as men and women. What is that? That we may know God. What did, what did Paul say? Paul said even after his salvation, even after his Damascus Road experience, Paul said 30 years later he was still saying that I might know Him. That I might know Him. It is, it is that, that, that you might know and I might know the only true God. By giving this eternal life, God is saying that we have, and, and, and when I looked at this and I considered this, it, it was astounding to me. God is saying in this, that this eternal life that He's talking about, in that eternal life, God is giving us the right and the authority to be called the sons of God. You and I, as the children of God, have been given by God in this eternal life, in this knowing who He is, He's given us the right and the authority 
to be called the sons of God. What a blessing that God would give us that, that we could become the sons of God, that we might indeed and in truth become partakers of His divine nature. What a blessing to understand that when you got saved and when I got saved, when we, when we acknowledged the grace of God, when we, when we came under the, 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 the grace of God and we recognized the grace of God, you and I were partakers of His divine nature. That, that astounds me. That blows my mind that, that you and I are partakers of the divine nature of God. Is it any wonder that the scripture tells us sin hath no more dominion over us? You and I dwell within the very divine nature of God. We're not God. Don't misunderstand me. But we are, we are living under and in the divine nature of God. So understand this morning that we may have here at this moment a true reminder of our earthly course of this relationship with God. That He has made us heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. How did all this happen? All this happened because we were placed in Christ. It did not happen... Just as, and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying by knowing God. It's not just a, it's not just going somewhere and someone teaching you something and you having some form of knowledge of God. But it's that you know Him. I may know about a president. I may know about a senator. I may know, in fact, to be honest with you this morning, if you wanted to bring it even closer to where we understand, I may know about you this morning, but the longer we spend together, the more I get to know of you. It's not just knowing about God, it's knowing God. Paul was not saying, I want to know more about God. He said, I want to know Him in an intimate way. God has given us His nature and not even, not even death or the grave can rob us of the heritage God has given us as the sons of God. It's kind of interesting when I was studying this and considering this, it's kind of interesting. We were talking yesterday about even the fact of sometimes we get caught up in our, our family heritage. It's not our family heritage that is as important as our spiritual heritage is. Who do we know? Do we know God? Let me ask you these questions this morning. How then are we to get eternal life? And how then do we know God? 
The Lord Jesus deals with it with two words in this passage of Scripture. Look in verse number 3. He said, For this is life eternal, that they might know thee. And he uses two words. The only true God. The only true God. He is clearly representing or presenting God to our consideration as over against something else. He's he's presenting God as, as setting Him here and us looking over here. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that He's setting Him as a warning against false idols. That we might know the only true God. When, when, he's, when he's dealing with this, he, he's, he, even, even as he's praying this, he's considering those, even those Jews and Gentiles of that day. The, the Gentiles were, had many gods. They had pagan gods. They had gods everywhere. In fact, Paul tells them when they went to Mars Hill, he they had, they had one, in fact, they were, they were so scared that they may have left one out, they made one to an unknown God. So God, Paul takes that and begins to preach Jesus to them. But he's wanting them to understand he is the only God, and he's wanting for the Jews' benefit, he's wanting them to know he's the true God. He's the one you've been taught about. He's the one that that you've looked at and seen in scriptures. This is the great business of our entire Bible is that we know God. That we know God. we, We hold it here so that we know the only true and living God. God to so many people today when you look around you, uh, most everybody's going to say, yeah, I, I know Jesus, I know God. But most, a lot of people, many people, as you look around you, know only a philosophical side of God. They only look at things philosophically about God. They don't know God in His nature. God, to many, are some great force of energy. That they, he's going to help this and he's going to help that. No, it's knowing God and knowing the plan of salvation that God has said. The Bible consistently warns us against all that is in the words of the Lord here, his Father. Christ tells us to realize that there is only one true God. There's only one true God. There are certain things that we must know about Him before we can possibly have fellowship with Him. First, we must believe that He is a person. That's a difficult concept for us to recognize God as a person. But God is a person. Did He not create us in His own image? God is a person. God says, I am that I am. God is God. God is a person. 
the writer of Hebrews even makes this statement. He says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God is not, as some would say, God is not, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I cringe when I make this. He's not the old man in heaven. God is not just some force of nature. God is a person. God is the creator of the universe. We must understand that God is the creator. We must not forget that He is the creator of the universe. God is our Savior, but He is the Lord of the universe. We must consider His character. The Bible tells us God is light. He is light and and, in the first epistle of John, He tells us that in Him dwelleth no darkness. God cannot even look upon sin and yet we're sinners. How then do we obtain this eternal life? We need to remember His greatness. We need to remember His majesty. We need to remember His might. We need to remember that He is life. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is such pure countenance that He cannot even look upon sin. Remember that you and I are speaking of the judge of the whole world. But we don't stop at that. He that comes to God must believe that He is and believe that He is a rewarder than them that diligently seek Him. In our text today, in what we're looking at today, this is life eternal that we might know the only true God. We must not only know Him as the only true God, we must also know Him as the God of our salvation. There's people that would tell you He's the only God, but is He the God of your salvation? Is He the God of your redemption? Because unless we know Him as the God of our salvation, We've not yet attained, obtained eternal life from Him. He is the God of our salvation. What does that mean? He is the means of our salvation. There is no salvation outside of Him. There is no salvation outside of Him in any form or fashion. He only is our salvation. It is His grace alone. It is Christ alone that purchased for us salvation. We understand those things this morning, but we need to recognize that He is the only true God. This is something that is only known fully and finally through the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know the things that I'm talking to you about this morning outside of Jesus Christ. You can't. You, 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 can, you can have heard about them. You can have had someone teach you about them, but you don't know them outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
Why? Because that life is in him. What did he say there in verse number three? He said, and this is life eternal, that ye may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sinned. It's knowing him. Understand this. Jesus, our Lord, said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other avenue. And because there is no other avenue... It's not what we do. It's not what we've done. It's not how much of this we did. It's not how much we prayed. It's not what we said. It's all what He did that made the difference. He is the way to God. He is the truth about God. And apart from His life that He gives... We will never share the life of God. It is the life that He gives. The life that He purchased. So there is no knowledge of God. There is no genuine, true knowledge of God apart from Christ. Through Him comes the ultimate truth. The ultimate saving knowledge of God. It only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's one final thing that I want us to consider before we leave these verses. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ gives us eternal life still in a deeper way. I want us to understand this this eternal life. Sometimes if we're not careful, we look at eternal life and we say, I don't have to go to hell. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But if that's all your eternal life is, it's very vague. There's there's no depth to it. He gives us eternal life not only by giving us the knowledge about God, but by giving us the very life of God Himself. That is the reason we become the sons of God. Because we're placed in In God, we're placed in Him. We are all failing because we are from a fallen Adam. I know know that I'm giving you things this morning that that to us that have looked in Scripture, at least looked in Scripture together for the last two years, I'm giving you something that is supplemental, but it is not supplemental to those that are in the world. They do not understand. And there are a lot of people that are saved by the grace of God that still don't understand the fact that when they were born, they were in Adam, and when they got saved, they were taken out of Adam, and they were placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've been placed in the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing can take you out of Christ. And if you've been placed in Christ, you are made accepted before God. Not because of you. Not because of me. Not because I pray. Not because I read my Bible. Not because I go to church. Not because I do this. Not because I do that. But because Jesus Christ satisfied the Father. Yes, sir. 
Amen. It's because of what He did. Yes. We are from a fallen race. Yes. We were in Adam. And just as we were fleshly in Adam, just as we were in Him, and we inherited everything Adam had. And that was death. When we were placed in Christ, we are made heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we inherit all that He has to give. Why? Because we are in Christ. Because we're in Him. The good news is that as we were once in Adam and we acknowledged the grace of God and received the gift of eternal life from God by the means of Jesus Christ and Him alone, When we did that, we were taken out of Adam and placed in Christ. We are incorporated into Christ. Paul tells us, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 when he talks about Hath the the eye said to the toe or hath the ear said to the head? And and I know that I'm getting all that wrong, but you know what I'm saying? We don't don't say anything about those things because we're in the body and we're all members in the body and the Bible tells us we're members in the body as it hath pleased God and as He has placed us as members in that body. And the head of that body is Christ. You and I have been placed in the body of Christ. When we recognize that, when we understand that, we can rest. Because we know that it does not depend on what I do or what I don't do. It does not depend on 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 my little checklist, it depends on Christ. And Christ has satisfied the Father. He has satisfied the Father. And we've been incorporated into Him. We are in Him exactly the same way we were in Adam. Let me ask you this question. When you were lost, how lost were you? Just as lost as you were in Adam is just as saved as you are in Christ. You're just as much a child of God as you were a child of Satan before. You and I are the children of God. Nobody can take that away from us. Nobody. Not even death can separate us. Paul goes through a long list. Shall principalities, shall powers, shall rulers of darkness, shall all of these things. He said, yea, nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God is found in Christ. Where are we? We're in Christ. We're dwelling in the love of God. 
It is, and all of this, understand this, all of this is the special work of the Holy Spirit of God. It is He that gives us eternal life by giving... You and I got eternal life. I didn't get eternal life because I prayed. I didn't get eternal life because I was under conviction. I didn't get eternal life because the preacher said this or this person told me this. I got eternal life because God gave me eternal life. I got eternal life because the Holy Spirit of God gave me Himself. What did God give us? What do we have in us? What did Jesus promise? Jesus promised He would send another comforter. That word another means the same. He sent the same. Where does that same dwell? That same dwells in you and in me. When we were born again, when we were saved, God Himself moved inside of us. And you ain't getting Him out. What are you saying? I'm saying that I can rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us, God gives us eternal life. I, I want to repeat this. God gives us eternal life by giving us Himself. You will live as long as God lives. Why? Because God gave you Himself. You were placed into the body of Christ. You became part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ shall not die. That is the reason Jesus thought it important to pray before the Father. What did He say in verse number 2? And thou hast given Him power over all flesh that He should give. Give what? Give eternal life. Give eternal life to who? As many as thou hast given Him. And this is the life. In verse number 3. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. God has given us life because He has given us Himself. Understand this. The union that you and I have with Christ produces in us a relationship to Him. We become participators in His own life. We become partakers of His divine nature. We fellowship with God. Why? Because of the union we have with Christ. That union is not just our ticket to heaven. How many times have I heard people say, I've got my ticket punched. Well, if that's all you've got, you don't have anything. I don't just have a get out of hell card. I've got a get into the body of Christ card that can never be taken away from me. Amen. Right. Amen. I am more excited 
about the union I have with God than I am about God saving me from hell. Did I want to go to hell? No. That was probably the biggest thing that drew me to the point of seeing and recognizing the grace of God. But now I understand that my union with God is a whole lot more important than my escaping hell. Why? Because I've been placed in Him. I'm part of His divine nature. I'm a partaker, if you will, of His very own life. And I have fellowship with God for that reason. I'm going to give you this and I'm done. If we know this Christ, if we believe on Him, we have eternal life and we are already the sons of God. I don't know whether that does anything for you or not. But when I recognize that right now, at this very moment, Brother Ricky, I am the Son of God. I am one of His children. I'm not His first begotten. But He was the first begotten so that he could be among many brethren. What a blessing to know for a fact that I am the sons of God. And if you can't find rest in that, listen, when I was growing up and and, and when I was younger, my daddy took care of everything. My mom and daddy took care of the house. They paid the bills. They did what they needed to do. There was a roof over my head. When I laid my head down at night, you know what I did? I rested. I didn't have to pay any bills. There was nobody hounding me. Can I tell you something? As a child of God, I can lay my head on my spiritual pillar and I can rest because the bill's been paid. And it was Jesus Christ who took care of it all and was beseeching the Father that we may know Him, the only true God, and that we might have eternal life in being part of His divine nature. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity, the privilege that you've given us to be here this morning. We thank you for Scripture. We thank you for the clarity of Scripture. Even though many times we're not clear in explaining it, we thank you for the clarity that comes from Scripture. We pray that you would help us, that we might rest in who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.